in crisis. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, how you doing today? Doing all right. A lot going on. Yes, indeed. A lot going on. It feels like um, there's a there's a, an immense amount happening aside from what's happening with Governor Cuomo and what's happening with Governor Cuomo is sort of crowding everything out uh, <laughs> as it as it as it should in a way, because this is the governor of New York State, the most powerful person in the state. Uh, Ten plus years as governor, middle of his third term facing uh, really, you know, a politically existential moment and crisis as he's accused of sexual harassment and other misconduct now by three different women. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking today, you know, Cuomo, who's had a very long public career dating back to the early 90s when he advised Mayor Dinkins on homelessness to his stint at HUD as a deputy and then the nation's housing secretary running for governor in 02 in a race that did not go well for him, certainly had some low moments there. And in statewide office since uh, the beginning of 2007, there have been controversies and problems and crises within that for the governor. This is clearly the gravest one uh, he's faced, I think, in part because it's not just one crisis, but several. Obviously, the focus over the past week, and rightly so, has been on the allegations of uh, sexual harassment, sexual misconduct involving both employees and a woman he met uh, socially at a wedding. Uh, But that obviously followed on the weeks of concern about uh, nursing homes, his decisions regarding placement of people in nursing homes during the height of the pandemic, um, his tracking of deaths that occurred as a result of people being in nursing homes and willingness to share information um, and abide by the freedom of information law regarding uh, some of those disclosures. And so that was that was all broiling already and, and leading to you know, calls for investigation, calls for impeachment even before the uh, sexual misconduct stuff hit. So it's a multifaceted crisis and that'll be the focus uh, of our show today. Indeed. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by State Senator Jessica Ramos, who represents a district in Queens. She's been on the show a few times before over the years. Uh, and we'll get Senator Ramos's reaction to what is happening with the governor, measures the legislature um, is about to take to rein in the governor's emergency powers around the coronavirus crisis. Uh, and also, of course, the sexual harassment scandal engulfing the governor, who gave a press conference conference today to, for the first time, really more fully address the allegations against him, the calls for his resignation. He said he will not be resigning, and he urged all New Yorkers to hold off on judgment until the attorney general-led probe is complete, which is just getting started, and uh, it's unclear how long that will take. So State Senator Ramos, who's called for the governor to resign, uh, will join us in just a few minutes to give her reaction to the governor's press conference today. Uh, his his apologies uh, that he gave, uh, which came with a lot of qualifiers, but he gave them, uh, and his re- his uh, his comments today, and then. A little later in the show, we'll be joined by a close ally of Governor Cuomo, and that's Jay Jacobs, the chair of the New York State Democratic Party. Uh, Jay Jacobs is also the chair of the Nassau County Democratic Party and a close ally, as I said, of the governor, who is urging, similar to the governor, uh, everyone to slow down on calls for the governor's resignation or impeachment and to let the probe play out. 
And of course, that probe of the sexual harassment allegations is being led by Attorney General Letitia James, uh, bringing in some outside counsel to take charge of it day to day. And that could take several months. I should mention in my litany of problems that Como's facing, I didn't mention that kind of between the nursing home stuff and the sexual stuff was uh, a critique of his general conduct toward um, others and accusations by first Assemblyman Ron Kim that he was bullied and threatened by the governor and then other you know former employees and uh, advocates and journalists coming forward to say they received similar treatment. I, I think, Ben, what's interesting about this moment is that the calls to slow down and reserve judgment from a due process standpoint are entirely appropriate. Um, the question, obviously, that a person like Cuomo has to face and his allies have to address, too, is at what point, and this kind of can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, obviously, but at what point do does the distraction, the attention, um, the weakening that a scandal like this delivers, does that make it hard for the governor to govern in the interim between now and when, whenever we hear that report? And I think a, a classic example of that perhaps developing were some of the comments by Mayor de Blasio this week, um, very strongly calling for Cuomo to leave to leave office. Right. And the governor addressed some of that today. He was asked by reporters the few questions. He only took a handful of questions. Um, but the few questions he took, he said, you know, he's not resigning. He's able to do, you know, to cooperate with the probe and also negotiate the state budget, which is due by April 1st. He's uh, he needs to stick around because there's so much work to do. He even decided to take a moment to throw barbs back at de Blasio. Of course, they they stop for nothing um, and talking about how he has to help, you know, revitalize New York City because it's in such bad shape. And so the governor claims that he can do uh, do both and that it, it won't be too much of a distraction for him. You know, time will tell on that because it will be interesting if to see if the governor thinks that he's sort of dealt with all this and answered the questions and he's going to try to now just wait it out and not really talk about this anymore. I don't think he answered anywhere near all the questions that he needs to answer. Um, but I also don't know if he should really be talking about this that much publicly. It's a very delicate tension because, um, you know, once the once the report from the attorney general's office and the counsel that they hire to really do the investigation is out, you know, that is when people should be giving a full determination. But the governor, uh, you know, it's important for him to answer questions more immediately. At the same time, anything he says publicly is swaying public opinion. It could even be swaying the investigators that are going to work on the case. Um, it could even be, you know, potentially intimidating to people who may come out with other uh, allegations. So it's a very tricky balance on that front. But since he did answer questions today and did talk about it, there was a lot he did not address and a lot he did not go into. And just two more quick things. Um, you know, you mentioned the nursing home scandal, the questions around the larger Cuomo culture, and now the sexual harassment allegations. And, you know, to me, this is all part of sort of a continuum of, um, you know, Cuomo behavior, the Cuomo way of doing things that is clearly, um, you know, he plays by his own rules. He has admitted that he can be bullying and now he's admitted that he can be uh, inappropriate. 
And one of the most interesting things that's coming out now is for him to say that he now understands that he acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. You know, it really strains credibility when this is a governor who for years has been working on issues related to sexual assault, sexual harassment, what he calls his women's agenda every year. Um, For him to say that he didn't quite understand the way that he was talking to uh, the women who work for him that have made these allegations that he didn't understand it was inappropriate is is really highly questionable for him to claim that at this point. Please welcome to the show State Senator Jessica Ramos from Queens 13th State Senate District. Senator, welcome to Max and Murphy. Hey, thank you so much. We have so much to catch up on. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's new for you? Um, well, let's start right, right with the news of today. That's Governor Cuomo coming out to um, somewhat more fully than he had previously addressed some of the questions raised about him, pledged that he would not be resigning. What's your reaction to what we heard from Governor Cuomo today? You know, I, I, I've been feeling really embarrassed as a New Yorker, you know, to see um, our governor's behavior displayed on the TV in this way. It's just as disingenuous as the press junkets and CNN appearances he used to do at the peak of the pandemic, claiming to do a great job, um, you know, when we know that the report card shows a very different story. I mean, just very quickly, we've lost 47,000 loved ones. 744,000 New Yorkers are unemployed. A third of our small businesses in New York have closed their doors and likely are gone forever. 200,000 folks here in the city are on the verge of eviction. There is nothing for us to uh, sing, uh, you know, victory about. There is nothing for us to pat ourselves on the back. Um, All of these things are just huge distractions from us being able to do our job. And And all I ask, all I ask is that if you learned any lesson from this ordeal, that it is reflected in much more collegial behavior and relationship building with his colleagues in government and that he treats people with respect. I know that he un- insists that he never touched uh, anyone inappropriately. I would beg to differ. I saw a certain photograph where both of his hands were placed on a woman's face. The woman has expressed that she felt uncomfortable, um, that she did not, you know, that that was an unwanted touch. Um, and, and, and those are, are very serious things. We can't have a governor who thinks that the world is his oyster um, and who seemingly thinks that women are somehow accessories or, you know, just another thing for him to manipulate, like the facts, like he manipulated the nursing home facts. So I'm a little, I'm pissed off. I'm, I'm dismayed. I, I feel embarrassed. Um, and and we really need to get our state back on track here. We have a lot, you know a few weeks left um, that are critical to to producing a not only timely budget but a budget that is actually responsible to the people's needs for a change. So you've been in Albany now for a, a little while as an elected official, and obviously your history in in city politics and being involved in in government work goes. Before that, in your experience, 
this broader critique of how the governor handles himself, not just in terms of the allegations of sexual harassment, but the questions of uh, alleged bullying and threatening. Have you or people you work directly with been on the receiving end of anything like that? Do you have experience personally that you feel is relevant to this discussion? I certainly had, uh, you know, interactions where men have made me feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, as you can imagine, I uh, tell them right then and there how uncomfortable I am and either I get up or leave or I definitely, you know, make my make my mind heard. Um, but as we know, sometimes, especially for staffers or, you know, for for everyday people, um, when they are in the presence of a powerful man like a governor, they, you know, it, it, it's much harder to react in a way where you, you don't want to be inappropriate. Somehow you don't want to, you know, be disrespectful, even though you're the person being disrespected. Um, and, and, and so um, I'm here to say that, you know, we, we need to uh, ensure that there is a continued investigation. I mean, whether he resigns or not, there needs to be an investigation into these allegations, into the nursing home uh, data fudging. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it's, it's just, I feel like the governor, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember him calling for uh, Eric Schneiderman and Vito Lopez to, uh, to resign, um, you know, without, without any criminality being found um, at the time. I remember, you know, during the Brett Kavanaugh a Supreme Court uh, confirmation hearings, um, you know, the governor asking for a lie detector test. Um, and so I, I, I'm very much against the governor creating this set of standards for some men, but somehow not him. Um, what's the right what's the right standard, though? You you have called, uh, among others, for the governor to uh, to resign um, ahead of the investigations being completed. Is is that the, the right standard or should we wait for these things to you know be teased out and, and separate fact from fiction and 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 determine exactly what did happen? Look, I'm a big believer in due process, especially when it comes to the law and any possible criminality um, in these actions. I think here what we're looking at, um, I know that there was some talk about, you know, if, if, if he really didn't, if, if he indeed uh, forcibly kissed Lindsey Boylan, for example, um, you know, the statute of limitations might have run out on any on any possible assault there. Um, but nevertheless, one thing is the court of law. The other thing is the court of opinion. And to me, what's clear here is that his actions prevent us from moving forward in in a way that is actually responsive to the people's work at this time. Um, you know, the, the governor has allowed the pandemic response to be dictated by his donors and his friends. Um, you know, we're talking about a governor who I don't think ever held a town hall. I don't know what streets he walked down in order to, you know, talk to uh, everyday New Yorkers um, on the street and see what they're going through. I don't know when and where he runs into New Yorkers and, and, and who his bubble is, right? Um, I, I think it's unfortunate that he's created this silo for himself. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to 2022. Um, and, and hopefully after then we'll have a governor who actually loves people. 
so the state legislature this week moved to uh, curtail the some of the um, rather broad emergency powers the governor had been exercising, uh, but they didn't rescind any of his existing orders as far as I understand. Can you talk about what was done and, and do you feel as though that struck the right balance? Yeah, I think, you know, our majority leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, did a great job um, in coalescing um, us as as a conference and really giving us the space to continue, <coughs> sorry, um, giving us the space to continuously discuss, um, you know, the news, the unfortunate news of the day. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, even though we're Democrats, we don't always agree exactly on the issues. And I, I think we are going as far as we possibly can, given the parameters of our conference. Um, I'm, I'm proud that we have agreed to do this. Um, and, you know, the reality is that he utilized his emergency powers to alter or, you know, or change or modify or or create new executive orders. Uh, I mean, in the hundreds. Um, and, and, and it's going to take a long time to, you know, uh, go through everything. But most importantly, you know, recognizing that the damage is done, that we need to move forward, that we need to keep our eyes on how to best uh, correct the wrongs that have taken place. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, the governor will be a partner uh, with, with us on this, understanding that there has to be a checks and balances with the legislature. That's, that's how good government works. Talk a little more about what you just mentioned, which is the discussion among members of the caucus um, to the extent that you can, because obviously uh, some people have come out publicly to ask for or, or demand resignation, some impeachment, um, both in the state Senate and the advocacy community and, of course, uh, Congresswoman Rice, um, and some have not. Those who are in these discussions with you uh, behind closed doors, what are the arguments f- against moving for resignation. What are some of the hesitations or opinions that you're hearing from people who are, are they defending the governor? Are they just playing wait and see? What's the, what's the other side of this issue? I mean, I, I have, I have heard several arguments be made, uh, namely, you know, why, you know, the Republicans are calling for his resignation. So, you know, why are we going to divide the party in this way? To which, of course, I say, I want my party to be, as close to working families' values as possible and, 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 and just uphold a standard of common decency that's important. And just because the Republicans didn't hold, you know, their president accountable for his comments and for his sexual harassment allegations uh, and beyond, uh, doesn't mean that we don't get to do the right thing um, and, 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 and ensure that we have the best possible you know, talent out of our party as our leaders um, across the board. Um, I've also heard um, arguments, you know, just about the timing of it all, you know, um, just given that we're in the middle of budget negotiations and how, you know, the court of public opinion might might end up, uh, you know, distracting or taking away somehow, um, you know, from these budget negotiations, uh, to which I say it's not our fault. Um, nobody told him to grab that woman's face. Um, nobody told him to ask his employee whether she would play strip poker. Um, you know, this is coming to light now, I think, because more and more women are feeling empowered 
um, you know, perhaps even by the nursing home scandal, right? That 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 the, the truth is finally starting to come out, um, and 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 they feel empowered by that to to speak their own truth um, and to make sure that this man is held accountable for for what he's done. Um, so I mean, you know, we we disagree um, sometimes on things. Um, as, 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 as you guys have widely reported. Um, uh, but ultimately, I, I think that this was the right decision. I mean, we, before these allegations, we had been calling, uh, for, for, uh, rescinding his powers. And, and I'm happy we finally did just that. On the nursing home scandal, obviously that is being investigated apparently by uh, different agencies at different levels. Do you see a role for the legislature over the coming weeks um, in terms of hearings, investigations, legislation, policy on the nursing home front? What do you, what do you think that role is? You know, I really do. And I understand, you know, the DOJ inquiry, the FBI is investigating. I mean, the the uh, the attorney general put out a very well, uh, you know, written report on, on her findings. Look, uh, I'm the chair of the Labor Committee in the New York State Senate. Uh, I am offended and confused and feel that I need more information in understanding how it is that the governor blames the nursing home workers uh, for for the deaths that took place. Um, because in my mind, you know, I, I think that the workers deserve an opportunity to say, you know, whether they've been provided with PPE, whether they were provided with the appropriate guidance, were they given the option, you know, of, of, of you know, perhaps... Uh, implementing the governor's direction differently in a much more safer in a much safer way um we i I do feel that we need to get into the to the bottom of you know who gave these instructions and why and again you know this is why you know the fact that public health experts are missing from this conversation is highly problematic and yes i know obviously dr zucker is, is is highly involved but we also know that nine members of the Department of Health resigned not so long ago, um, and I would love to know why, um, because uh, we can't allow this to happen again. Um, you know, yes, it is about holding people accountable um, and, and, and getting justice for these grieving families, uh, including Ron Kim, who lost his uncle in one of these nursing homes, but it's also, I think, about create learning from our experience, because this was an unprecedented uh, catastrophe, and ensuring that we are putting plans in place that prevent, uh, you know, this, this, the, the, the extent of, of this tragedy to, to happen again. Um, I think that's responsible governing. I think that is, um, you know, the best possible way that we can be protecting New Yorkers right now for the future. So we are getting close to the April 1 budget deadline. What do you think New Yorkers should look to see uh, in that budget? And are there priorities that you have that you're hoping to get in terms of policy or particular spending in the in the upcoming uh, spending plan? Tax the rich. Tax the rich. We want serious revenue generators. I want to see marijuana legalized the right way, meaning that communities of color are directly involved in every single aspect of, you know, this new industry that we are are formalizing or or legalizing. I want to see online sports betting happen in a responsible way, too, given that we are talking about gambling. 
Um, but I'm not in the business of denying, you know, that people behave a certain way and do certain things. And it's just better to regulate it and make sure that they're doing it in a safe way. I feel that way about sex work. Um, I want to, of course, see my mark-to-market tax pass. Um, but, you know, more than that, I, I, I think my colleagues and I have done such a great job of putting together a menu full of ideas um, in order to ensure that the, the, the most wealthy, the most affluent in our state are paying their fair share in taxes. Because lest we forget, when you and I go to the bodega and buy something, we might have to pay a tax on it. But when a billionaire buys a yacht or or a private plane in this state, they don't have to pay a sales tax. There's a peer-to-tear tax that's, that's being proposed. Um, you know, we we're looking to fix the 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 um the income tax bracket. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we can make sure that that we can make sure that that working families are getting their fair share. And and, and I say this all the time. You know, pre-pandemic. Public schools were already chronically underfunded. The MTA was already decrepit. Um, our healthcare system was already failing, and, and and it really, you know, failed in many ways. Especially here in Queens, where we're lacking so many hospital beds, and where the governor has actually, you know, taken taken part in closing down so many of our hospitals over the past few years. You know, like these are all things that we have to reverse. And then on top of that, there is the economic recovery. We owe our small businesses, including restaurants, some economic relief. We owe excluded workers who are in many ways the backbone of our economy, you know, some sort of economic relief. Because we certainly like when they help, you know, pick up, pick up our kids from school. We certainly, you know... Uh, like when they help us take care of our elderly parents, um, well, we owe them their humanity too. They shouldn't be behind on their bills. Um, and, and so um, I, I just, you know, I, I, I want to remind New Yorkers that there are 120 billionaires in the state of New York. They have made a profit of $88 billion while we have lost loved ones, while we have lost our jobs, while many have lost their homes. And so... Asking them to pay in taxes one-third, 33% of what they've made as a profit during this time in the past 12 months is going to be chump change to them because they're still going to be billionaires. They're still going to keep all their mansions, all their houses, all their vacations, all their luxuries. But we'll be able to put food on the table and keep a roof over the heads of hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers who haven't seen a dime in economic relief. And I'm sorry that I'm getting really passionate about this, but as you know, I represent the epicenter of the epicenter, and I get phone calls from my neighbors every day, every day how hard this pandemic has hit them, you know, in in terms of personal loss, financial loss, um, you know, material loss. And, 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 And that has been completely ignored by the governor by this administration for this in the legislature. And and now that we know, you know, all about all of this misbehavior from the governor, I mean, it leaves, it leaves a really sour taste in, in a lot of our mouths, um, you know, when, when we should be focused on, on those who are closest to, to the pain.
a very uh, brief uh, 30 seconds or so on a last question. And, and this, you know, obviously um, it is very unlikely that Governor Cuomo will leave office, although it is um, more likely now, I suppose, than it was a couple months ago. Um, we have had Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul on this show several times. Most New Yorkers don't know very much about her, certainly not as much as they know about Andrew Cuomo, who's been in our lives for, for most of our lives. Um, you being there in Albany probably know the lieutenant governor better. Uh, do you feel if the moment came, is she prepared to be the leader of New York State? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I had the opportunity to spend some time with her, um, I guess at this point. It must have been like early 2020, definitely before the pandemic. Um, you know, she and I met at El Mariachi uh, with some other legislature, with some other legislators, um, and, and she actually tried a michelada for the first time. So there's that anecdote. She really likes the beer with the hot sauce thing. Um, but what, who I found, because that was really the first time I had a good conversation with her she really cares about people i mean she, she comes from upstate and you know has has some some varying uh you know has a, a different record on gun reform than i would like um and among other things um but certainly she seems much more human and much more connected to the people of new york on the ground given that she's constantly you know traveling around the state um doing just that connecting with new yorkers so I'm hopeful that, you know, her empathy and her compassion will shine through um, if, if, if that if that's the situation that should arise. Well, thank you very much for that insight. Senator Jessica Ramos, uh, please come back to Max and Murphy soon. Anytime you ask. Love you guys. And donate to Independent Radio. Thank you. Thank you.